today's podcast, we talk about love of the game and how that can help develop culture, tight ends in a pro-style offense, and success and failure and who gets credit and what you can learn from both of those. And joining me to talk about that today is the tight ends coach at Rice, Chris Monfiletto. Chris, great to have you here today. Keith, I really appreciate you having me on. I'm excited about this. So, Chris, we're going to go back to uh, kind of the beginning for you when this all started and, you know, in looking through your bio and, and talking before we got going here, uh, you know, you were you were right here in Northeast Ohio and then, um, you know, at Kenyon College coaching three, D3 ball here in Ohio as well. So a, a lot of uh, common ground there. But for you, when you look back at uh, this game that you love, where did this all get started? When was the idea of Chris Monfiletto becoming a football coach hatched? I think it's always uh, something that I knew I wanted to do. Um, and when I got to college and I really started to get involved more with the game plan and spending more time in the coach's office and stuff like that, um, learning it, you know, there's just a, a love there that, that I didn't get rid of um, when I graduated and I stopped playing football. So uh, actually when I graduated from Davidson College, I, I got a job uh, selling mortgages. And so I was selling mortgages and I was volunteering coaching at the high school that I was at. And uh, I had the ability to coach a kid named Myron Roll, um, who's not a kid anymore. Uh, he's actually a really famous neuroscientist um, and doctor up in up in Boston. Um, but he was the number one recruit in the country at the time. And uh, there just there, there became a point in time where I, I realized that selling mortgages was not going to be my passion. Um, coaching football was. So I took a volunteer role at uh, at Hunt, uh, which is where I played high school football. And I had the ability to to work with him for two years and. He really coached me more than I coached him, but it was a great learning experience for my first two years out of college. Yeah, it's it's funny how that that starts sometimes. I think back early in my career, um, I was I just started coaching high school ball. Um, prior to that, was coaching uh, seventh and eighth grade football. And one of the kids we coached through that program went on and was a is a all American high school all American at Saint Ignatius. Went on to play at Boston College and had a cup of coffee uh, with the New England Patriots as a backup. And, and I kind of learned a lot of the game from him. So I would work with him in the summer. But truthfully, I, I look at it as he was working with me. He'd bring back different things that I hadn't seen before. And, you know, at the time, uh, it, everything was not on the Internet like it was today. So, you know, any any information you could get. I mean, I remember just like he'd give me his playbook, you know, for the night. And I'd, I'd study the heck out of that thing. So, um we learn a lot from our players, though, I think, in, in every respect, you know, uh, even as you progress through your career. Is, is that something you found to be true as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the byproducts of him being the number one recruit in the country is that we had access to a bunch of camps like all over the all over the country. So I remember that that summer, my first year, I went from Penn State to Notre Dame to the University of Florida. Um, and everywhere in between. And, and you got to learn from, from those coaches at that level at such a young age. Um, and, you know, back, back then those camps were multiple days and they were overnight camps and you got to really immerse yourself uh, with the coaching staff and learn as much as you wanted to learn. So that was, you know, that was an invaluable experience for me. And then, you know, moving into this year's role, I uh, moved into a tight end uh, coaching position and the room was a bunch of older guys. So, you know, just being able to learn how they were coached before and what was effective for them and what wasn't, just having a dialogue with them more than anything um, has been instrumental in, in my development as a tight end coach too. When you look at 
some of those early years, and you had an opportunity early on to be a head coach at Western Reserve Academy here in Hudson, Ohio. You know, look at looking at the lessons you learned early on. What kind of things continue to develop and really became part of who you are today as a coach? Yeah, I mean, I was a I was a head coach at Western Reserve at a very very young age. I mean, I think it was like twenty five or twenty six when I took over the program there, and um, I might have even been younger than that. I don't really remember. But you know, when you when you start and you're that young, like you have all this passion and all this enthusiasm and all this energy. And sometimes it gets harnessed in the wrong way because all you want to do is compete and all you want to do is win. And you lose sight of the fact that, like, you're not there um, necessarily for just that. You're there to develop the kids and, and to make sure that they're having an unbelievable experience. So, you know, over time, you just you learn never to get too high, never to get too low and kind of um, just stay the course. And, you know, that rubs off on the guys. Um, they have they still have the passion for playing football and competing and winning. Um, but there are bigger lessons that football can teach you. And if you let those lessons, um, you know, come to fruition and, and talk to those kids about all the things that you've learned over the, the course of the past, however many years of experience that you have, I think that that's, that's invaluable. You went on to become the head football coach at Kenyon College, and it's a, a league I'm familiar with, a conference I'm familiar with, um, kind of some disparity in – uh, the kids that you can get some of those some of the schools in the conference can get kids that you can't even you know come close to touching as far as uh, the academics and you know, you took over a, a program that was uh, had a, a couple of winless seasons and you managed to turn that around what were some of the things that you feel uh, were key to being able to make that kind of a turnaround yeah I think you know the nice thing about being at a place like Kenyon is um you're going to get guys that, that are going to develop and that want to develop. And they might not be, you know, the, the starters coming out of high school uh, at a great program um, or anything to that nature, but, but they're guys that are hungry to, to learn and that are hungry to grow. And um, there was one, one kid in particular that had actually broken his neck as a junior in high school and didn't get recruited by anybody. He came into us, he was like 150 pounds and he was a receiver and over a four-year period, he turned into a, um, one of the best receiver, the best receiver in the league historically um, of all time. And he's a, he was 185 pounds when he graduated, and he had a minicamp tryout with the Washington Redskins. And you know, th- those are the type of guys that we were able to to coach at Kenyon, guys that were just hungry to learn and hungry to grow, and that were going to put the time in after practice to make sure that that stuff happened. So, you know, the the first goal at Kenyon was just making sure that. Um, the players that were on the team were on the team for the right reason. And we actually ended up finishing the first season with like 42 guys on the roster, you know, but they were the right 42 guys. And they, they set a platform um, for us to continue to grow as a program over, you know, over the course of the seven years that I had the privilege of being there. You've hinted to it a little bit already, but your, your love of the game really is what's driven you so far uh, as a coach, driven you into the the game as a coach. Um, But Something, you know, you and I were talking even before you were coaching, uh, you went to Davidson and uh, didn't necessarily, uh, you weren't the guy who was uh, making all the plays. Um, You know, you were a role player, but somehow you were voted the team captain and you felt that it was that love of the game and and, uh, your passion for it really that that, uh, helped put you into that position. Talk to us about, you know, how that really is, is part of who you are as a coach now and how it helps you build the culture in your room and contribute to the culture in your program. 
Yeah, I, I, I think that, um, you know, the, the, the best thing about football is that when you compete, uh, it teaches you lessons about life, you know, and, and I don't know that there's many other games that can do that if you allow it to do that for you, you know, and you really have to take time and, and realize what your failures are and uh, what your shortcomings are in, in order to let that happen. Um, but that's why playing football was so fun for me, because although I wasn't the best player, I was actually a horrible uh, football player. Um, I was able to to look at other guys that were performing better than me and um, try to mimic their work ethic and try to mimic uh, their process and the way that they were doing things um, in order to, to try to become better as myself, but also um, to put myself in their shoes and try to lead the way that they led. And I had the privilege of, of learning from some really good guys that were in front of me and some really good coaches that I had the um, fortunate opportunity to work with, guys that are head coaches now for their own programs. And, um, you know, there's been multiple times in my career where I went from a pretty comfortable position um, to one that was a lot less comfortable. And, you know, when I when I left Western Reserve, I took an intern position at Lycoming College, and then I became the offensive coordinator, and then I became the athletic director there. Um, and, and I didn't do that uh, because I, I did anything spectacular or anything like that. It was just because uh, I had a lot of fun doing what I was doing, and I put all of my passion and life into it. Um, and the same thing happened when I left Kenyon as a head coach and I came to to Rice as a quality control coach. Um, you know, I, I just tried to do the best job that I possibly could as a quality control coach and really hope that that work ethic and, and the passion that I had for the position that I was working with, which at the time was the receivers, uh, would rub off on the rest of the unit. And um, whether you place value to certain things like picking up the ball carrier or celebrating and you give those guys points for it, or whatever it is, um, there has to be a way so that, you know, they can, you can make it as enjoyable for them as it is for you every day coming to work. When, when you look at uh, the guys you recruit, are you looking for that uh, characteristic in them, that true love for the game? Because some guys, I think you agree with this, they love the recruiting process. They love the attention right now. Um, but, you know, you, sometimes you question – does this guy really love the game, even even with the number of stars behind uh, his name? Yeah, I, I think that the uh, the process that we go through at Rice is unique. Um, we had this year, I think Northwestern had less offers than we did, um, but we were the second to least amount of offers in the country. Um, and so we really try to hone in on the guys that we think, A, are yieldable, um, but B, that we know a lot about. So we talk to the people that are important to them, whether it's their family members or their girlfriend or whatever it is. Obviously, the high school coach is huge, particularly here in Texas, to give us some insight on, um, you know, on the kid and what, is, what makes him take off the field and, and all of that stuff. And then you're looking for guys, you know, similar to what we did at Kenyon, but guys that can develop. And all of those uh, external people that have an effect on, on the day-to-day -day life uh, of that recruit are going to give you some insight onto whether or not you know, that passion for the game is going to allow him to develop over a four or five year period here. Specifically, when you're looking at those different you know, groups of people who are involved in that recruit's life, um, what things, I guess, if you give us some tangible examples of things that you start to see uh, in that recruit that are, are going to tell you he's the right guy from yeah, the, I mean, from the other like, people, I should say, you see it in him, of course, but what are those other people? Uh, those other stakeholders in that particular player tell you? 
they're telling you what what they're like in the weight room, right? They're telling you the type of effect that they have on the other kids on the team. You know, what type of teammate are they? Um, they're telling you what type of work ethic they have in the uh, film room as well and how much they actually love the scheme and get themselves immersed in the scheme. And then when you talk to a kid and you ask them to get on the board um, and talk to you about some aspect of the offense or some aspect of the defense, like you can tell right away when they get on the whiteboard, not just how much they know, but how, how much they love what they know. Um, you know, and I think that those those questions that you ask uh, lead to, you know, determining whether or not the guy really loves football and he really wants to learn more. So kind of extending that ahead uh, to your tight ends room um, in, in the way you use tight ends as well, a pro style offense, you're going to end up with multiple skill sets, guys who can play. Uh, you know, maybe out wide sometimes, guys who can put their hand in the dirt, guys who need to play in the backfield, et cetera. Um, how, how do you start to use those guys um, as far as the skill sets? What helps you figure out this is the kind of guy this guy could be for us? Yeah, well, we start by teaching them all everything, you know, and, and so they have to know the different techniques from an inline position, from an extended position when they're in a hip position or whatever, you know, whatever you call it in your offense. Um, and then we determine, you know, over reps in, in the course of the spring and the fall when the reps are, are basically equal, you know, what they're going to be really good at. And they have plenty of opportunity to put that on film. And we have a, you know, we have a pretty extensive grading system for all of our practice reps so that we can break down by scheme or um, by technique exactly what they're good at. And it's not some, you know, just ambiguous thought in your head. Like, I think that this kid's good at, at, moving a seven technique you know you, you can actually see based on the numbers um what that actually looks like and what their development's been over the course of the spring or over the fall or however you're judging them you know so once we craft kind of what their skill set is and what they really are good at uh, then in our scheme we could really use those guys specifically in determining you know what they're going to what they're going to perform or what they're going to be successful with so for instance we had one guy who could really do anything he could put his hand down. He could play out of an off position. He could play extended. And he's pretty good at everything. Um, but he's really good at split flow zone. And so when we ran split flow zone this year or we ran the bluff play on the defensive end, that was the guy that was going to do it for us. And, you know, he did it really well. I know in that room it, you can be very creative today. And it's it's funny. We've talked about this um, with with a number of coaches on the podcast, how – you know, there was a time when the tight end kind of wait, went away for a while and was de-emphasized, and he used to be, before that, more the guy who was that extra tackle, uh, who was a little bit more dynamic or maybe lighter than uh, a tackle, and uh, not, but not necessarily the guys that you see today. And certainly there's that, been that change, and you see how they're used in the NFL. And, and so the positions come back, tight ends and fullbacks in particular, H-backs, and those guys, though, now have become so much more dynamic. I mean, you look at a, a guy as an example like Kelsey, right? That guy, or, or Kittle, same, same type of guy. I mean, they're lining up out wide. Uh, they're coming into the box. They're, they're getting the ball underneath on, you know, some, some power read stuff, maybe where they flip the ball to him. Or even I've seen Kittle get a jet sweep before uh, numerous times, right? So these guys now all of a sudden are more dynamic than they used to be. Uh, which allows you as their coach to be very creative in, in helping put together packages and how they're going to be used in the offense. Um, you know, how, how do you coach all of those different skill sets within one position group? And then 
figure out how you can game plan them into the offense. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because they're they're uh, they're the thing that holds the whole offense together. They hold uh, the offensive line together with the quarterbacks, and then they hold the receivers together with the quarterbacks. Um, and at, at Rice, uh, in particular, we've had a pretty good history of tight ends playing in the NFL. There's two that are playing right now, Vance McDonald and Luke Wilson. And then James Casey, who's the tight end coach of the Bengals, uh, was before them. And every one of those guys have a different skill set. Like James Casey returned punts for us, and he was our Wildcat quarterback. Um, you know, and, and one of the guys this year took snaps for us at running back in short yardage situations. You know, so it, it, we spend a lot of time building relationships with different position groups on the team. And, and that's really how we do it, because our our um, practice time in terms of individual work is limited. Um, and then our film time in terms of scheme and stuff like that, we're in a lot of different installs. We're in the pass game install, we're in the run game install, and we don't have a lot of time in the meeting room individually either. So, you know, it's just building relationships with those different um, position groups and then making sure that those guys within their skill set are going to be successful doing um, the things that they do. And for me, the biggest learning curve was the offensive line stuff because I've always been with the quarterbacks and receivers. So this year, being able to be in the room with Coach Bloomgren, who has an offensive line background and coach offensive line for Stanford and in the NFL. Um, you know, that was an invaluable learning experience for me. And then being in the room with those guys that are seniors that have been taught it before and have been successful with it before uh, helped as well. So I think the, the next question really is then, again, given that these guys do so many things, as you said, they're in, in the different installs, they're, uh, they're learning some different skills in the different positions they could play. How do you streamline the learning? Right. Because I think if they're going to be successful, uh, they've learned the scheme very well. They learned the techniques very well. So how do you streamline that for them as their coach? Yeah. So when we have more meeting time in the spring and in the fall, we break that meeting time down um, to really focus on whatever the install is. And we always start the first two days uh, with receiver one on one. So we, we go through all of the receiver techniques and the perimeter blocking techniques, anything that they're going to do from an extended position. We talk about the first and second day. And then once we go through that stuff in camp, like I, I like to separate. Um, I don't go through and watch the film like these were the first 10 plays of Skelly or whatever. You know, we try to uh, separate that stuff by scheme so that once we go through it, what I'll do is I'll put a clip of an NFL guy doing a certain technique that we're teaching and then us doing a certain technique that we're teaching in practice and then us doing it in a game uh, at, at a successful level, you know, so that they, they're able to see that stuff based on the scheme. Like these are the techniques that we're using. These are other guys that have done it really successfully. And this is what we look like. Sometimes it looks better than others, but they always have a frame of reference for that. So coach, you mentioned you have guys who, you know, can even line up in the backfield and uh, run the football. And I know when I was at BW, you know, we reintroduced the position into the offense, and so it took pulling guys from different positions that you know we hadn't recruited tight ends, nor at that time could we really find them. Um, but we knew what other positions they played, you know, in, in high school or previously for us. And, you know, I mean, I'm thinking back through our time, there were at least three of those guys who we worked in some kind of a double pass or a throwback pass or something like that with these guys and – use their ability to throw the football as well. So how do you find, you know, end up with a guy at, at tailback who is a tight end? Yeah. So 
so we recruited him, um, or it was the previous coaching staff that recruited him, but uh, recruited him as a tailback. He was a tailback at Dickinson High School down here in Houston, and he rushed for 2,200 yards as a senior. And he just had this skill set where you couldn't take him off the field. So if there was a better tailback than him, um, we still had to had to figure out a way to put the ball in his hands and allow him to do what he was really successful at. And what he's really successful at is working double teams with other tight ends in that like YY wing set um, or getting him out on the perimeter and being, being able to block on the perimeter. Or obviously he's dynamic when he has the ball in his hands. Like I don't think he rushed for 2,200 yards in high school if you're not semi-dynamic. So um, as you put more weight on and he was able to move people a little bit more successfully, you know, those were the, the roles that were kind of crafted for him. When you look at your role in, in helping develop the game plan week to week um, as, as the tight ends coach, what kind of things are you looking at and what's your contribution to the game plan? Um, well, I try to, to do everything that I can to tie the pass game into the run game. So in terms of you know thinking about run action passes within what the scheme is um, or play action passes where we can throw the ball down the field, you know, that that's pretty much my role in the game plan. And then obviously as a tight end coach, you look for as many opportunities to get multiple tight ends on the field as you can right. so that those guys all can uh, be successful within their role. Um, you know, but this year we were in a situation where we had a, a couple of receivers that, um, you know, would, ended up getting injured and, and that sort of thing. And it was just a weird season from a personnel standpoint in general. So a lot of those guys needed to step up um, and they, they were able to. Yeah. It's, I loved using those guys. I didn't coach them at, at uh, BW, but we really valued them. And it was one of the things I thought I made a mistake uh, at one point in, in telling our guys that, uh, you know, even if they were in one personnel group, they were a starter in our offense. And so it, where it got me in trouble initially, momentarily, is uh, every Friday we'd introduce our, our starting unit, right, um, you know, after practice in the stadium and one of the guys said to me, coach, how come I'm not uh, named as a starter? I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to get in trouble with the head coach now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I said, well, you know, we're going to always name one unit, but you guys are starters. And, and, and it's funny, it came around to the end of the year and it was our last uh, last game. And I think we, we had like nine personnel groups and of those guys, maybe four or five of them, you know, were in a personnel group. And I asked the head coach, I said, can we can we name all of our guys as starters. So they were kind of surprised and, and uh, we, I got them in there, but, it, but it really helped. You know, I think when you take that approach with whatever position, you know, I felt like our, our depth chart went from being something that was very vertical to, to something that was horizontal and guys saw they really had an opportunity to play. So it, I just felt that it worked well with our culture and it, it worked well in their focus. They knew that, uh, Hey, if we can have a lot of success when my, personnel group is out on the field we might stay in that group more and I tell them all the time you know you, if your group is having success you guys will stay out and it really became something they took pride in yeah absolutely and like our whole thing as a tight end group we, we call ourselves program guys right because that's kind of what we have to be we have to play 100 plus snaps on special teams um, we have to do all the dirty work uh, as well because that's the type of combo body type that we have and that's how we can contribute to our collective success um, but you know, the, the big thing with that is, uh, as a program guy, like you have to know what your role is and you have to be extremely good in your role, but then you also have to compete to try to expand your role, you know? So that's something that they've, uh, that they bought into and we've had a lot of fun with. 
coach shifting gears here and, and looking at uh, some of the success and and maybe even failure you've had in the program and you've had you know as a head coach right you I think you learned a lot about this um, a lot of what you get out of that both the success and failure moving forward is if you're able to learn from it can you can you explain your philosophy on the way you approach success and failure yeah I mean when you you know I, I said it before and, and I continue to to say it but uh you know competing is not always about winning and losing like that is the the main goal that you're trying to accomplish is is to win but um you learn a lot from competing and you you can learn stuff from losing more than you can learn stuff from winning um most often so i've as a head coach had more failures than i have um as than i've had successes it's just you could look at uh, my overall record and you can tell that, right. And that's not going to change. And that's not something I shy away from either. You know, that's something that that's been an invaluable experience to me. And when you go back and, and you look at that stuff, I've always had the opportunity to be at high academic institutions. And I really feel like when you coach at a high academic institution, you have a, a responsibility to teach the kids at a level that's going to mirror the type of education that they're getting from the institution. So you have to coach them and you have to teach them at an extremely high level. One, to keep their attention because they're really bright kids too. And the other part is because that's what your responsibility is when you coach at a school like this. And when you're not living up to those expectations, you really have to take a look in the mirror and figure out what is a better way to be a teacher? What's a better way to connect with these guys? And what's a better way for us to collectively to have success moving forward? And so, you know, over a two-year um, period at Kenyon, we didn't have a lot of success at all. I mean, we did some good things offensively and here and there and, and stuff like that. And that wasn't, um, you know, that, that wasn't reflecting itself on the football field. Um, but then I had the opportunity to go to uh, one of our guys' weddings. You know, when you look around at one of the guys that graduated and at his wedding, there's 10 guys that he played college football with. You know, so to some degree, um, that's where the success that we had was uh, building those relationships and making sure that those kids relationships are going to last well beyond the time that they graduate. And when you can focus more on that and not the X's and O's, I think that the winning is a byproduct of that. I don't think that it comes before you have those types of relationships um, that you build as a program. Because I know you just spoke uh, this past weekend as we're recording this. Uh, on tight end technique in the past game at Lawrence first and goal clinic. And um, what, first of all, a tremendous clinic, great job by everybody who was involved. Uh, also, all of these individual talks are going to end up on coach too, but to continue to benefit Lawrence first and goal, the sales of those uh, individual clinic talks uh, will continue to uh, benefit the foundation and what they do with um, pediatric brain tumor research and cancer services. So, if you would just give a, a brief overview of what you talked about in your clinic. Yeah. I mean, first of all, um, I think you're underselling yourself and your role in that clinic. Like what you did to, to facilitate that and to make it run as smoothly as it ran um, was unbelievable. And, and coach loose um, making sure that he adapted to the time and not able to do the camp. So was able to do the clinic. Um, I've, I've been listening nonstop to clinic talks for the past three days and I've learned so much in the past three days just from uh, the ability to sit and do it. And when you think that all of that money that was raised um, went to such a great cause as, as the pediatric brain cancer research, um, it, it's just, it's humbling to have been a part of that clinic. And I really appreciate 
everything that you did specifically to Thank make you. that thing go the way that it went. Um, it was awesome. Uh, but what we talked, you know, what some of the stuff that we talked about in the clinic, we just broke everything down from uh, the phases of route running um, to escape techniques and releases to the stack, the top of the route, the snap and the cut, and then the kill phase of the route when you're really creating that maximum separation between yourself and the defender. And then we got to some in route techniques um, that we use what we do when we catch the football running after the catch and then some perimeter blocking techniques as well. And I appreciate the kind words with that. And again, thank you for uh, taking part in that. Uh, so coach, as we wrap up here, the, the final question I like to ask everybody is you look at all you do as a coach uh, to help your players uh, to, to do everything on and off the field, whatever it might be. What's the one thing you do that you really feel gives your players and your unit the winning edge? I mean, I, lo I love our guys. I absolutely love them. And I'll do absolutely anything that they ever ask me to do uh, at the drop of a dime. And um, I think that they know that. And because they know that, I think that they're willing to work really hard on the field uh, and really willing to do everything that we ask them to do off the field in order to be a successful player. Um, but, you know, it's easy to say that. And it's another thing to just be genuine. And Like, I, I absolutely love the guys that are in the tight end room um, and every else that I've worked with on this team but specifically those guys because I spent so much time with them and uh, it's really been a privilege uh, to be able to be in the room with them and for Bloom to entrust me with that group. Coach Twitter is always a great place for uh, coaches to connect with you. What's your Twitter handle? It's uh, at coach underscore mono M-O-N-O -O. so please reach out. I love to hear from you guys and I'll, I'll do anything I absolutely can to help you. And for recruiting purposes, what areas of the country or what areas do you focus on? I have uh, some areas of Houston, Central Texas, and the Northeast, specifically New Jersey and the Philadelphia area. Coach, I, I really appreciate your time, um, both at the clinic and, and today on this podcast. And uh, good luck to you and the Owls in 2021. Thanks, Coach. Thanks for having me on. This is a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Coaches, follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski and be watching for all of the clinic talks that are being produced into courses uh, available on CoachTube. Again, benefiting Lawrence First and Goal. That's CoachTube.com. And we will have the link to Coach's course, Tight End Technique in the Past Game, in our show notes.